Star Wars 7x7 episode 2972. All right, we're getting deeper into Andor as we get closer to the premiere. Oh my gosh, it's less than a month away. And we're going to collect some news tidbits that have come out over the past little while since we haven't talked a lot about Andor news. And we'll also dismiss a couple of things too. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So before we get into this, there's something that I would greatly appreciate your help with. So as you may have heard me mention on the show, or even just by looking at the episode number, we're coming up on 3,000 episodes and I am aspiring to interview Mark Hamill for the show. Now, the way that you could help make this happen is to retweet and share questions that I've been posting. So to make it a little more palatable and a little more interesting, I've been sharing proposed questions for Mark that I would like to address on the interview in the conversation. And I'm putting ones out there that I hope he will find fascinating and irresistible. So I think also part of that is whether people are interested in hearing him answer these questions. So the first one that I put out has to do with the idea that if memories change over the course of time because you know as you kind of recall memories you are a different person and therefore your perspective on them changes and the memory itself kind of changes in a way so i'm asking mark to kind of evaluate how he feels his memories of his time making the original trilogy have changed over the years. So that's question one. Question two is something that goes a little bit earlier into his life. I'm asking whether he remembers his parents defining a first moment that they knew that he was destined to be a performer and whether that differs from the first time that he knew that he was destined to be a performer. Now I'm alternating posting originally between Instagram and Twitter for these, but I will link the tweets for these questions, the blog post for this show's episode at sw7x7.com. If you would consider taking a moment out of your day, if you're on Twitter, and if you're following SW7x7 podcast, that's fantastic. If you're not, I hope you'll consider following the show on Twitter as well. But if you give those tweets a retweet, that may help with the visibility and with convincing Mark that it's very cool to jump on an interview for a 3000 podcast show. All right, let's dig into some Andor stuff here. So we'll start with a magazine cover story that came out earlier this year. It was written by Anthony Bresnikin, and it covered a lot of Star Wars territory, but we haven't talked about the Andor-specific stuff in there. And there's a quote from Diego Luna and another one from Tony Gilroy that are worth checking out. Here's the narrative from Anthony Bresnikin along with the quotes from Diego Luna to start. Luna describes Andor as a refugee story with desperate people fleeing the Empire at the full force of its power. It's the journey of a migrant, Diego Luna says. That feeling of having to move is behind this story very profoundly and very strong. That shapes you as a person. It defines you in many ways and what you are willing to do, unquote. Then we have Tony Gilroy talking about the character of Andor, and he says, This guy gave his life for the galaxy, right? I mean, he consciously, soberly, without vanity or recognition, sacrificed himself. Who does that? That's what this first season is about. It's about him being really revolution-averse and cynical and lost and kind of a mess, unquote. 
Now we get a little narrative bit. The story begins with the destruction of Andor's birth world, then follows him into adulthood when he realizes he can't run forever. Gilroy again. His adopted home will become the base of our whole first season, and we watch that place become radicalized, Gilroy says. Then we see another planet that's completely taken apart in a colonial kind of way. The Empire is expanding rapidly. They're wiping out anybody who's in their way. Unquote. And then by journey's end, Andor's path will be to block the empires. And the colonialism thing resonates with the conversation here. I am referring to it again. The conversation I had with Dr. Chris Kemshaw, the author of The History and Politics of Star Wars a couple of weekends ago, that was one of the topics that we got into in considering the empire and how in the original trilogy we get this idea of an empire, but we don't necessarily understand its colonialism, but the expanded universe dives into that. And then as we've had more Star Wars storytelling and within the new Disney Star Wars canon, we've gotten a different kind of picture, a more expansive kind of picture of what that colonialism kind of behavior looks like. Very imperial, as it were, right? So the thing about Cassian's birth world being destroyed, that's fest. And the word destroyed, I guess you have to take with a little bit of a grain of salt, just considering the fact that we operate within a galaxy that has Death Stars, right? But of course, the Death Star is not anywhere near operational completion at this point in the story. So that's not going to be how the planet is destroyed. Instead, it's probably going to be in a different fashion. For example, there is a line in The Princess and the Scoundrel where Mon Mothma is talking about horrible things that the Empire has done, and one of them involves the planet where we first saw Kanan Jarrus in A New Dawn, the novel by John Jackson Miller, that they were mining it for Thorlide and basically made the entire planet unstable so it was just unlivable and falling apart. So there are other ways to destroy planets for sure. And that moment we see in the trailer where a little kid is looking out over what looks like a very thoroughly mined area of a planet. Well, you know, probably, possibly fest. And that would give you an indication of that kind of destruction. Then Gilroy refers to a planet that would be the base of their operations for the first season of storytelling. That would have to be Ferrix. That's the planet where we see a lot of scrapyard work happening. And he talks about the population becoming radicalized there. And you get a little bit of an idea of that when there's that, you know, hurried scrambling around in what appears to be sort of a town square situation. And you see somebody like banging on a, you know, metal thing to alert people of what's happening. The Empire shows up and maybe these inspectors, the, you know, blue uniform folks are part of that. They're attempting to you deal with some resistance happening there, but things are getting further and further radicalized, and that's when Denise Goff in the Imperial Security Bureau and all the death troopers show up. And then there's the mention of another planet that's going to be, quote, taken apart in a colonial kind of way, unquote. So the way that's phrased and the way that's put in the story, it makes it sound like that's an entirely different planet. It's not Fest and it's not Ferrix, it's something else. So that pretty much covers what I wanted to flag for you out of Anthony Bresenkin's cover story. There's been some discussion about the appearance of certain characters in the Andor series, whether it's possible. And first of all, yes, anything is possible for sure. Like K2SO, it's possible for him to show up, but if he shows up in this first season, it will be as a fully functioning Imperial security droid because Cassian does not capture and reprogram K2 until about 2 BBY, so that will definitely not happen during the series, but it does mean that we're very likely to meet Cassian's 
very, <laughs> very subtle friend in the second season of the series. Said with my tongue firmly planted in cheeks, subtle, right. Saw Guerrero we know is going to be in season one. He will still be alive and kicking and so has the potential to appear in season two. His daughter, quote-unquote, Jin Urso, well, she could possibly appear, sure. You'd be rolling the dice on that. However, the timing of this is really close. So, depending on ages and whatnot, the probability is, is that Sagarera has very recently abandoned Jin Urso before this appearance in the Andor series. So it seems highly unlikely that she's going to be a part of this unless they make her part of, you know, the background of characters raising blasters at Luthen Rail when he shows up and that's something that happens immediately before Saw ditches her. But as far as we know, Cassian and Jin have never met prior to the events of Rogue One, so it does seem very unlikely that we will see her kicking around this series. Then there's a trio of Alderanians to consider. So Brea and Bale and Leia Organa are of course alive and active at this point in the Star Wars timeline. Leia will be 14 years old, so she will be doing some senatorial things, but she's definitely not a full-fledged senator for Alderaan. Instead, that's going to be Bale Organa, and so we could well see him in this series. There's been no word about Jimmy Smith's appearing in there, but of course there was never any word about Jimmy Smith's appearing in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. <laughs> and so, yeah, he showed up there anyway, obviously. And if Bale appears in there, there's every reason to believe that Brea will appear there too. Also, no word about whether Simone Kessel will be a part of the show, but <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a surprise for both of them, basically. And it would be a surprise for Leia as well. All right, so what else can I tell you? There's been a couple of promotional posters released that include Arabesh writing on them, and I did do a bit of translation. The sentence that's on there says, everything I do, I do for the rebellion, which is, of course, an intriguing line, but it's also more intriguing because of the fact that Cassian says a variation of that line in Rogue One with the past tense, where he says, everything I did, I did for the rebellion. And as we heard from Diego Luna and Tony Gilroy in their quotes that we talked about earlier, it does seem like season one of the Andor series is supposed to show how Diego Luna gets to that point where he is saying everything I do, I do for the rebellion. Even though the rebellion isn't actually formed like the official rebellion to restore the alliance to restore the Republic, right? Ah, I'm getting a little tongue-tied. That isn't officially founded until 2BBY. However, certain cells are definitely rebelling and we're going to find out how he becomes a part of that. And thanks to an IMAX re-release of Rogue One, we may be about to learn a bit more about the Andor series. So in case you haven't seen the news, Rogue One A Star Wars Story is going to be re-released in something like 150 IMAX theaters across the United States and Canada. And when it is, there's going to be some sort of special preview of the Andor series attached to it, whether that's going to be you know played before or after the movie. Who the heck knows? I mean... <laughs> I have a feeling, well, I don't know, it's not going to be like Meet Joe Black when the Phantom Menace trailer was attached to that. People were just buying tickets to see the trailer and then walking out and not watching Meet Joe Black. I think in this case, people will probably stay to watch Rogue One if they show the Andor footage before the movie, but <laughs> if they don't, I'm sure people will be happy to watch the movie again in the IMAX format just on its own merits, right? And the Andor stuff at the end will be a wonderful bonus. 
Now, we've got more Andor stuff to talk about in the upcoming episodes this week because there have been full magazine cover stories that are specific to Andor, and we will dig into those as well. But for now, that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, but their respective trademark and copyright holders may the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.